you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Don't mess with no horses, bro. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Was that a callback to the I, great, great horse-fearing Eric Berry? I think so. I believe so. That what goes a, back to the old, old podcast Yes, days. the ATL Debate Club, one of our... Uh, brought my wife on, if you remember, who used to ride horses to talk yep. about the fear. That's what our podcast used to be about. Now it's now it's a crazy football fest. And you got Wes in here. You got a scientist here. You have Greg Rosenthal, one of the great fantasy minds of the 21st <laughs> century here. He comes over. Uh, he, you know, we have everything cooking now. It's all fantasy talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Greg went to PFT, and then we poached him, NFL media conglomerate. And away we go. Mark and Dan were a bit a big part of that. Recruiting me, coming oh, yeah. over to my house, offering me lots Plying of- you with um, <laughs> things that may not have been legal, but we got it done. We got Greg in the building. It is week eight. It is uh, the week eight Sunday show. An exciting show. A great one. Uh, TD and Wes, you, you seem like you have to get something off your chest with TD, right? TD, he set down the rules yeah. with a very heavy hand, I thought, that we are not allowed to wear hats. Now that we're on camera. Now that we're on camera. Look who's wearing a hat tonight. Oh, you ask me if I have a God complex. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am God. I think it's more of a hypocrisy complex. <laughs> mm. I know that TD is not feeling well. Is that accurate? That is correct. And I'm uh, just trying to just trying to just trying to push through, guys. All right, you know, so okay. make it through. Let's try. We're gonna try to take it easy on you. We're not gonna mess up once. We're just gonna roll through the show. We no got pressure. A, we got a great week of games, and we're also gonna get our friend, uh, our newest around the NFL member, Connor Orr, on the line. He was at uh, the Meadowlands today for that bloodbath uh, for the Jets, which we'll get into a little later in the show. But let's start as we always do with. Uh, some games that really jumped out at us, the games of the day. So let's do it. Let's get right into it, TD. Let's roll. 
Ben Roethlisberger. The Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback became the first player in NFL history to throw for at least 500 yards in multiple games. This time he did it against the Colts, just leveling Indianapolis, a 51-34 win on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Uh, Chris Wessling, I ask you as a man that is a historian of the game, who loves football, who ingests it like a maniac, where is this on your list of the best quarterback performances you've ever seen? It's right up there. I, it might be the best. Mm. If he had one more pass attempt, he would have had the highest completion percentage ever on 50 pass attempts. And you went further, about halfway through the third quarter, maybe getting close to fourth, you said this was the best quarterback's game overall in terms of a quarterback matchup that you've ever seen. I think they ought to do away with the rest of the schedule and just have the Steelers and Colts play each other every week. Hmm. It was. Hmm. It reminded me a little bit of that Broncos-Cowboys shootout from last year, but Luck and Big Ben were making better throws, like more – eye-catching, amazing throws in this game. I thought your best quarterback performance was in reference to uh, Browns Raiders. <laughs> I, I didn't see that game, but I, I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and say it wasn't the best. Here's the funny thing about this game. Andrew Luck went 26 of 45 for 400 yards and three touchdowns, but wasn't even close to the best quarterback of the day. He threw two interceptions. He was mortal. Here's Roethlisberger's line because we, we cannot understate how incredible this game was. Big Ben went 40 of 49 522 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. I believe he came uh, 32 yards short of the all-time passing record uh, set years and years earlier. Uh, the only reason he didn't set it is because they decided to run the, the ball out. They could have easily done it the way they were having their way. Uh, Antonio Brown had 133 yards receiving. Heath Miller had 112. Uh, Martavius Bryant. Who's Martavis. Martavis. There's no U in Martavis. I've sp I've spoken with him. He actually told me the way I said it is proper. Um, <laughs> you but can't I'll just, go with you. You can't just make up your name if there's not a letter in there. <laughs> you can't call a guy with Martavis Martavius. Plow on. All right. Martavis Bryant, five for 83, two touchdowns, mm. three touchdowns in two games. That might be a guy that if he really starts cooking, you got Antonio Brown, who's a top three wide receiver in the league. Got Heath Miller. He's a nice little player. Le'Veon Bell. Chris Wessling was giddy watching this game because he loves the Steelers so much. They're his boys. They're All of them into the stable of they're boys. They're an exciting team to watch. It <laughs> comes from an organic place. I thought today's newsroom was the most excited newsroom we've had all year. It's been Ooh. a, it was a fun day. The, the thing that stuns me, I, I can't wait to dive in and watch this game a little closer, is the Colts defense was playing as well as any defense in the league entering this one, and, and the Steelers get more than 600 yards. What what happened to the Colts defense? What do you think was the factor? Vontae Davis got hurt really early in the game. He has been, I think, maybe the best cornerback in the NFL this year. Woo. He's the key to their defense. Wow. Uh, he and Greg Tuller play press man defense, take man-to-man -man and allows uh, Minuski and Pagano to blitz all afternoon. They had to play a lot more zone defense today, and they paid for it, and they weren't able to get any pass rush whatsoever. I think the other thing with Pittsburgh, we've seen hints of this all year long because they really do have – we talked about maybe they had the best triplets in the AFC early in the year – and there's been some inconsistency. The defense has given them issues. But I'm not that shocked that this happened to that team today. And it's funny to look back when we thought this Big Ben, Todd Haley marriage was headed for utter disaster. I mean, they're really flourishing right now. Well, I think part of it is, like you said, the talent's been there all along. Part of it is that Big Ben just was absolutely on fire. Every pass he threw was on point. A lot of those incompletions were balls that he threw it like right on the money 25 yards downfield and were knocked away by the defender. Just great plays. And then part of it is that Martavis Bryant is, is really emerging as this 
fourth weapon that they needed on offense behind Big Ben, Brown, and Bell. He looks great in red zone packages and as a deep threat. I think he's absolutely crucial to their it's offense. It's funny because right in the summer we wrote articles about how Bryant was this red zone threat, and then he vanished for a month and a half. But maybe it just takes more than the first five weeks of the season for these guys to flesh out. Right. Well, yeah, the Big Ben has mentioned several times that he needed to get his nose in the playbook. It didn't seem like he was trying that hard. Mm. Greg, I want to thank you for convincing me to take the Steelers as a hero. Oh, pick. it's gross. But I do like that it's opened up the avenue that we can change our picks at the end of the week if you're feeling strong. So congrats, you know. Thanks. And you're talking you got another one. First you're play, on fire. First place in the picks it's now. It's your year. It's the your year. sleeper. Zeus the sleeper. We, let's uh, let's move on. But Don't, I just don't blow it. I mean, now it's your year. Long way to go, Dan. If you don't get it, you blew it. The Arizona Cardinals came came up big in the final two minutes on Sunday. They got a 75-yard touchdown reception from John Brown and a last-second defensive stop in a 24-20 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. This was a battle between two 5-1 teams. A very good game, marred by some a lot of laundry on the field. I think there was 20 penalties uh, for almost 200 yards. But uh, the game itself was a very entertaining game to watch. And it came down to the last possession after the long brown touchdown. Uh, Chip Kelly's offense marched down the field. But I'll tell you this. The genius, Chip Kelly, for all, for all we give him all the credit, and sure he deserves it because he's so smart. Todd Bowles out-schemed him at the end of the game. They moved the ball down the field. But Todd, he said, no, I'm going to keep coming at you. They bought the blitz. They kept on bringing the house, and Nick Foles couldn't handle it. Threw a couple of bad passes, including one that sailed out of bounds to end the game where they couldn't get two feet down. Credit the Cardinals for getting aggressive and staying aggressive. Well, credit the Cardinals for always being aggressive, for having a play in the playbook like John Brown going deep on a third down late in the game. I mean, Arians is always going for it. Todd Bowles is always going for it. But he didn't out-scheme oh, Chip yeah. Kelly. He out-schemed Nick Foles. You know, 15 Same quarterbacks thing. in the league, I think, win that game down the stretch without backpedaling 25 yards and throwing passes out of bounds and freaking out. That is Bowles. <laughs> saying exactly what he thinks about Nick Foles, that you can't handle the pressure because a big-time veteran quarterback is going to pick on that one-on-one coverage on the outside and win the game, and he and, couldn't do it. And as, like we were talking about downstairs. We've talked about it all year. Nick Foles is almost impossible to figure out. You, you look at the stat line at the end of almost every game, throws her over 300 yards. This time it was 400 yards. He set the Eagles' record today with 36 completions in the game. But there's just still too many throws that are terrible throws. He did not have a great game. And, you know, the, what Greg's saying there checks out. I mean, if, if a, a quarterback was making plays, that game was there to be had at the end, but he was not able to take advantage of the overaggression, perhaps, of Arizona. Every week, Foles seems to be a lightning rod. He's, he's either he's producing, but we're not happy with his mechanics, whatever it is. Do you, if you watch him, do you feel like it's something that's fixable? He's a young quarterback still. Is it something that three years from now, this is these, these issues are cleaned up, or is this who he is and he's, he's sealing out? His footwork's been bad. If you mention mechanics, his footwork's been bad all year. That's been a problem. I don't know that he's that good. I mean, to me, it's even last year, you knew that a lot of what he was doing was Chip Kelly's scheme. He is giving the Eagles coaching staff in front office the toughest dilemma that you have with quarterbacks. It's like what the Andy Dalton, he's basically right around the Dalton line. What do we call it again? The, the AD Dal- scale. The AD scale. The, the AD scale. He's right in the middle where he's just good enough to, that you don't feel like you're going to move on. But I think they're going to have a really hard decision at the end of the year because I think they'll win a lot of games. Who, they, maybe they win some playoff games too, and yet I don't think he's playing well at all. 
Dan, after mm-hmm. watching this game, do you feel like Larry Fitzgerald was the most underutilized receiver in the league before this week? <laughs> it was so great to see Larry Fitzgerald. Wes is alluding to an 80-yard catch and run where he caught essentially a short three-yard slant from Carson Palmer, darted through two defenders, and then took it to the house. He outran everyone. 31 years old, doesn't put up the same numbers he used to, but that was the glowing example that Larry Fitzgerald is still Larry Fitzgerald, and if they could do a better job of getting him the ball, he could still be that type of receiver. I don't think he'll be there next year unless he does a massive restructure on the contract, and I don't think Todd Bowles will be there either. I mean, Mm, we talked mm, about Arizona. We didn't believe in him. They couldn't be our team of ATL because there's this injury here and there and they've got multiple, you know, people down on defense. They keep bringing it. And, I, you know, I bet against them at home this week. Big mistake. Won't do it again. Since this point last year, the Cardinals are tied with the Broncos for the best record in the NFL. Let's not just skip past the Brown play. I mean, that's one of the plays of the year. He caught that over his shoulder. on a, It was a, a great pass by Carson Palmer. Uh, but not an easy catch at all. To pull off an 80-yard play when you're down three like that, you know, the Eagles are thinking worst-case scenario, they're going to go to overtime in that situation, and Nate Allen just get burned. It was an awesome play. John Brown makes plays every week. Yeah, he, he was easy speed, easy cheese, to use a baseball <laughs> analogy, blowing past Nate Allen and Carrie Williams uh, on the play to get open. And we talked about it, and I, I think other people have talked about it, that he's very much like T.Y. Hilton at Indy. He's a breakout guy. There's so much talent on this offense. If Carson Palmer can make the plays, and his line today was a little deceiving. He had those big two completions, didn't move the ball regularly for the team. But there's enough here with Ellington for them to score a lot of points, and the defense has surprised us this year. The so Eagles this is a look good team. vastly superior, though. Let's not forget mm, about it. They, went to, the, they went to the red zone strong. three times. They didn't score a touchdown. They fumbled the ball inside the five. They got stopped on the one-yard line right at the end of the game. They got intercepted at the 25. If Foles didn't make a total bonehead throw with about nine minutes left when the Eagles had all the momentum and and pretty much control of the game, they win the game. I think Foles Yeah, but all those things are why they're not vastly superior also, aren't they? I mean, I think Arizona finds ways to win these games, and they've put the heat on the 49ers and the Seahawks now to try to keep pace. Even if the Eagles were vastly superior, we don't trust their quarterback. Right. And you saw those two long plays. Their weakness as a team is their secondary. All right, moving on. Tom Brady had as many touchdowns, that's five, as incompletions in 35 attempts on Sunday, leading the New England Patriots to a dis- just if you're a, if you're a Bears fan, just a hideous 51-23 loss. I mean, how can you even imagine that happening to your team in Foxborough? The Patriots have won, is that three straight since that? Monday Night Lost. Four straight. Four straight, and they're doing it in a convincing manner. Greg, everything is great in Foxborough. Everybody's happy, and here we go. What's their record now? Six and two. Six and two. Halfway to what, Mark? Twelve and four, as we predicted all along. Every year, twelve and four. Congrats. Well, they have a tough stretch coming up, but this game did (laughs) finally convince me that they're ready to start winning some of these tough games. Let's give Greg a little credit. He went through a 10, 12, 14-day stretch that it was tough tough to be a Patriots fan because some questioned, you know, the viability of the quarterback and Tom Brady. Does he still have it? But, you know, after that two-week really rough stretch for Greg, bang. Where are you going? You're going right to the AFC Championship. You're going to lose the Broncos. I wasn't sweating it that bad. But the the reason why the offense has turned around is Gronk. Exactly. That's – just the, like last year, though, too, right? Right, and that that's the reason. It's not so much now that he's back on the field, but he's actually Gronk. And you saw a couple things today that defined their great offenses in 2010 through 2012. You saw the two tight ends with Tim Wright catching six passes and Gronk just dragging people all over the field. And you saw them playing hurry up at a faster pace than they have all year by far. I mean, they were 
getting the ball snapped with 20, 25 seconds left. The whole first half was a fast break, and I don't think the Bears were ready for was it. Was it shotgun? The, the, a lot of shotgun. The because Patri they never used shotgun earlier this season. Right, and the Patriots – it made me think maybe these guys, and I'm talking mostly about LaFell and Gronk is healthier – and you'd throw right in the mix. LaFell went over 100 yards, had a lot of tough catches. Maybe they know the offense well enough that they can just leave them on the field and let them go. And we know New England has often recreated themselves offensively, and that you know that fast-paced offense they did use for a while. But it's I, I you know again, New England takes players. LaFell could not make it work in Carolina. Suddenly, what do you have? 120 something yards today. 124, 11 catches and touchdowns. A lot of really wow. tough. Wow. Tim Wright too. He looks good after the catch too. Yeah, and he made contested catches. I mean, they, Jonas Gray was their leading rusher by far. 17 carries today. He's their inside runner. The offensive line's a lot more stable. Again, it was against the Bears though. Who yeah. I think is going to have a habit of making some let's, offenses look good. Let's talk about the Bears for a second. Three and five going into their bye week. Uh, this is this is a bad situation in Chicago now, and I guess the first question I have is because I remember when Tressman came to town, we we raved about how special he was and got this offense back on track. Uh, that the offense doesn't seem to be as dominated as it was a year ago when Cutler was healthy, and the defense obviously isn't there to back it up. Like, what has changed? Let's start with offense. What has changed with the Bears on offense this season compared to last year? Yeah, the offensive line's not as good. The offensive line's not as good. Marshall was injured for a good portion of the season. Jeffrey was injured for a game or two. Maybe they're not in rhythm. I don't know. I, Kurt Warner today on NFL Game Day Morning said, Jay Cutler's not the only problem with this team, but he's the biggest problem with this mm. team. And let's not remember, last year, the reason Wesleyan made Josh McCown a making the leap candidate is because he went on one of the hottest streaks we've seen in a long time in Tressman's system. And I think that made us think Tressman can do that with anyone. He's a quarterback whisperer, but... You know, Cutler, Cutler's Cutler, and everyone's waiting for this breakout MVP season. He is what he is. Well, the defense was the problem today, though. You know, they picked on Kyle Fuller, the rookie who's played so well, uh, until he basically left the game with an injury. So they either knew he was hurt or he was playing hurt or he was just so embarrassed he left the game. I mean, LaFell dragged him all over the field. Their safeties were terrible. Uh, and they couldn't stop the run when they needed to either. How is Mel Tucker still running a defense in the NFL? He won't be next year. <laughs> uh and speaking of defense, now that you've had half a game or half a season to look at the Patriots' secondary, how different is it this year when compared to last year? Brandon Browner made a big difference today, and Darrell Revis had a good day shutting down Brandon Marshall. You know, people have made the case that the Revis pickup wasn't that great, but he's been very solid, the best cornerback they've had in a long time. So maybe he's not Revis from before, but he's been excellent. And technically entering the game, they had given up the fewest passing yards in the entire NFL this year, had a nice day. Browner's been great. I don't know. Dan, it's the another, defense is secondary. It's though. another magical campaign, another beautiful autumn for Greg. Yeah, enjoy that, that week in January when everyone's playing the playoffs and you're just – game planning and getting ready. And then they'll lose in the AFC championship. Probably. So relax. Here's a little bit more on Brady. This is a month Please. after a month after he was washed up, according to almost every analyst in print and on television. Twenty seven of twenty seven to those three guys we talked about, Gronk, LaFell mm. and Tim Wright. And I saw somebody who was charting the game today counted not a single misfire from Brady all game. That's what I'm saying. Go watch the game and put it up against Ben's spectacular game Brady's right there because there was five incompletions and five touchdowns two drops I know in there by Edelman a throwaway or two I don't know if there was a bad pass in there he played it perfect what more do you want he did something you're no. rolling your eyes well no, it's you like can Wes, always do what Wes's you can boy do is Roethlisberger and your boy's Brady I, my boy's what Roethlisberger do I, have? Too. I have Geno Smith and Michael Vick I have nothing 
Yeah. I feel for you, Dan. Brady did something no other quarterback's ever done. 350 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and 85% completion. Must be nice. And then he added another touchdown just for fun. Everything's great. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Prater hit a 48-yard field goal as time expired, leading the Lions to a 22-21 win over the Atlanta Falcons in the Wake Up at Wembley game. Mm. Is that a, was that an English accent or was that Australian? That I was don't. subpar, but... Okay, no anyway, <laughs> the Falcons blew a 21 to nothing lead in this game. Uh, Arthur Blank even made some uh, comments afterwards that you simply cannot blow a 21 nothing lead. Not a good sign for Mike Smith and company. Well, you can. You, obviously, you can. They but did it. It, <laughs> no, I watched it. Yeah, you can't you can do it. You can if you're going to ex- be the Falcons coach next year. Thank okay. you, Mark. So, Mark, this was a game of two halves. As you woke up early and you had your uh, uh, breakfast tart that the people in England <laughs> eat, and you watch this game, tell us about it. I really have no memory of what happened here because it was roughly like 14 hours ago at this point. But it was, <laughs> it was, the Falcons, it reminded me of the game that Wesleyan and I stuck around for the Tampa Bay game where they just looked white hot out of the gate. I mean, not, everything Matt Ryan did worked, and, and they in, in, the, in, in, in converse, Detroit couldn't get anything going. But then after halftime, because Detroit looked like they basically didn't even really wake up for this game either. But Stafford, who was very imperfect all day long, made enough throws, and they got some turnovers, and the Falcons really just melted. It was, the what, the lar- I think tied for the largest allowed points, you know, come back by, the, by another team in franchise history, a total wipeout in the second and half. And what annoys me a little bit about the game, even though, like, I picked the Lions, so on some level I was happy that they won. But then at the same time, you get, you get a delay of game penalty on the field goal miss. So you basically get rewarded for being horribly unprepared to get your field goal unit out there. They got a second chance, and then he hits it from five yards further. So if you're uh, – can you even imagine – I was thinking about this after the game, how horrible a loss that is for the Falcons who have to swallow that and then get on a plane and fly across the ocean. Well, they only have themselves to blame for it. But also, Greg and I went crazy watching Jim Caldwell's hyper-conservative approach was- where – he was trying yeah. to set up a 50-yard field goal with 40 <laughs> seconds left ah, for Jimmy. Matt Prater. They were 2 of 12 this year on field goals over 30 yards, I think it was. And yet he was trying to set up a 50-yarder. And then the Falcons took timeouts. It was a totally bizarre sequence. And there was a defensive holding call on a run, which I've, I, don't, I can't remember ever seeing that, much less in that situation. That's the only thing that even set up the field goal. It was a battle of who could coach worse between Caldwell <laughs> really was. and Smith. It was a delicious game, though. It was one of the more entertaining finishes I, of the entire season. I didn't see this game, so question for you guys who saw it. Is Golden Tate the greatest wide receiver in NFL history? <laughs> I'm going to well, go yes. I'll say it's funny because he's, <laughs> yes. almost, he's almost in the Megatron mold right now. Move with, over, with no Megatron and no Bush in there. Like, he has had to do it all himself. There's nothing else. You know, they had three tight ends out as well. There's nothing else for Stafford to throw to right now. But – he got a slow is start. Is he in the MVP discussion? He's one of the most. I think he is. In, in, he's uh, see, he's on serious. the outskirts oh. of that conversation. That no. he's one of he's the most valuable the receivers. Back. It's well, amazing how he makes plays every week to make them win the game. Stafford was brutal today. He was bad. He has been his worst season, I think, of his career this year. I would say it has been the best free agent signing by any team. Where, Wes, in your stable of boys, it does Golden Tate have the honeymoon <laughs> suite at this point? No, Steve Smith is. Oh, I yeah. knew that. I yeah. knew that. Let's stop That's with this whole what? Uh, <laughs> line of questioning. What do you mean? This is well, kind of been a bit. He's very much uh, into individuals, and that, that, this is one of his. Everyone has guys. One of his guys. And that's. I think that was a shot at me. What? What? I'm into individuals. 
You are. Ooh, you have that a team. You have. Well, you are. Let's you don't have a team. That. You have a stable <laughs> of players that get you jazzed up. That's accurate. Well, I have teams every year. They just switch. Well, you then you have teams every year as well. Yeah. One day Wes will come back to the Bengals. No, no that won't. will not happen. It's gonna happen. It's and it will be a special day. Before we move on from yes. this game, in case any shadowy league figures are listening. Let's sign up for some more wake-ups at Wembley or whatever the heck you're calling it. <laughs> just get another fourth game on the program. You liked it. People yeah. loved it. Just another another game to watch. It Why was fun. Not? It I was like terrific. waking up to watch it Before we leave this game, a Twitter follower asked me, will Mike Smith be canned within the next week or two? No, I think they have mm. too much respect. He's probably the best coach in franchise history, so I think they have too much respect for him to do something like that, and they'll do it at the end of the year. That's what I thought, too. Russell Wilson connected with Luke Wilson on a 23-yard touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter, leading the Seattle Seahawks to a 13-9 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Wes, this wasn't the clean, everything-is-okay-now game for the Seahawks, I imagine, but they, they got it done. I'm not sure if they deserved to win. It was it was extremely sloppy, dropped passes, missed throws by Russell Wilson, cost them a couple of touchdowns. Um, defensively, they dropped a couple of interceptions, flubbed some fumble recoveries. Cam Chancellor isn't himself. They they held the Panthers to nine points, but they sh- Kelvin Benjamin should have had two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He dropped one, and Russ in uh, Cam Newton overthrew him by a yard on another one. It was a sloppy game all around. Big win though for the Seahawks. I mean, they would have gone to three and four, three games back of the Cardinals. It, look, they had a lot of wins like this last year. They pretty much had an identical game in Carolina last year. In fact, I think the final score. Last year in Carolina was twelve to seven. Week this one. This year it's thirteen to nine. Similar sort of thing where they end up getting the scores in the fourth quarter to get it done. Wes, what's going on with Marshawn Lynch? He's not getting the ball as much. I know uh, before the games, uh, NFL media columnist Michael Silver reported that Lynch harbors quote ill feelings toward Coach Pete Carroll for his training camp holdout and off-season proclamations about a reduced workload. Are they just not feeding him the ball? Is, is that a case again today? Yeah, he's actually he has a higher yards per carry average than last year, but his carries per game is down by almost five. They're just not getting him. In, he's not getting into a groove. They're not handing the ball like every series and moving the chains. They're not allowing him to do that. It's, well, sorry, it's funny because Albert Breer and it talked to some people inside the organization last week in his notebook where he, you know there were a, a number of players watching Daryl Bevel closely, wanting to go back to that run-heavy offense, but. They didn't, so they're not doing that still. No, they're still passing more than they're running. Right, by a lot. I don't know what the ceiling for this offense is. I mean, what's the ceiling? As good as they were last year? I don't even know if that's possible. I, I think th- they miss Harvin. I, I really do. They're, the receivers don't separate. They, they don't make plays on contested passes either. I think they're going to miss Harvin. I mean, they came in scoring more points and turning out more yardage that's per fair. game than last season. That's fair. I guess my point is more that they need their defense to be that best in the league defense. That's their that's kind the of road right now. That's the roadmap for them winning the Super Bowl. It's not going to be because of their offense. Ooh, jaunty. An offensive pass interference call on Steve Smith wiped out a go-ahead touchdown with seconds to play, allowing the Bengals to hold off the Baltimore Ravens for uh, with a 27-24 win at Paul Brown Stadium. The Bengals are back in first place in the hyper-competitive AFC North. Mark, I asked you, did the best team win today? I, I really came in looking at Baltimore as the 
almost obvious best team in the North. And after what the Steelers did today, that I'm not convinced of anymore. And I can't buy the Bengals. I, I, this feels like every other Bengals-Ravens game that I've seen over the last three years where, you know, they're going to split and you're going to get one good game for the home team and then the next. You know, this game really should have been Baltimore's. I, I don't know if that call on Steve Smith, I guess it, it felt like that, you know, offensive was, pass interference. It was close. It was borderline yeah. to me, and it was a beautiful pass. Flacco, though, is culpable in this game a little bit. After he came in with 14 touchdowns, five picks, through two bad interceptions today that gave – you know, Cincinnati a chance to get back in and win the game. So, uh, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the cleanest effort by the Ravens. It's a problem for the Ravens that they've gotten swept by Cincinnati because yeah. any tie break, if it, whether it's the two of them or three teams tying for the division, they, you know, they're in a big hole now because of that 0-2 record. They, they kind of have to sweep the Steelers to make up for it. When the Bengals get A.J. Green back, and in, in, in what we talked about before, that they aren't the same team, they really weren't. I think Mohamed Sanu – did the, as much as you could ask for someone to step up and make some big plays. But the offense has just seemed completely out of sync. And I just I still can't believe in Andy Dalton. He had an awful fumble today where he just was spinning around like a marionette with the ball hanging out there. And that should have been the game, too. Well, I know, and I know Andy Dalton is enemy number one of this podcast. That's and no not one true. believes, no, nobody believes so. in the Bengals. He's no, fine. that's not fair. But let's give them, should we believe in the Bengals? Oh, well, we shouldn't maybe put him down as much as we do. That's always Why? been where He's I, been very well, clean the this first season. First place in the AFC North right now. We, we talk about him like they're awful. Because we've seen them, we've seen their little ruse in the playoffs before. All right. I, don't, I don't think they're awful. They're very confusing because they were as bad as can be in, on defense the last three weeks, and they were great the first three weeks. So they were just figuring them out. Let it's me like let a me lot of finish my point though. That maybe they deserve some credit for beating the Ravens today when they don't have AJ Green, they don't have Absolutely. Marvin Jones. Like this yeah. is a nice win, and and for Andy Dalton for that terrible fumble that led to the score that put him behind. He also led him down the field and got him in the end zone to give him the win. So while this team is not dominating anyone, if you're making a list of the top five teams in the AFC right now, they're probably five, if you're lucky right now, they're probably not in anyone's top three. There's still a team that's well, playing I think one pretty thing, well one considering thing what they're about, up against. One thing we've said about Cincinnati, even going back to last year, is they're one of the most complete teams in the AFC. I don't think it's – accurate to say that we're all bearing Dalton. I mean, he is he is going to do those two or three, one or two, three plays a game to get you killed. But we, Andy Dalton's had a nice season for the most part up to now. But you, but do you look at him as someone that's a plus factor for that team? No. When I mean, well, that's I'm, all I'm we're not, saying. It's a huge well, win. That's, all, I, I, that's not well, then what we, but we're, we're not all saying the same thing about him, number one. I, uh, I tend to think we're all on the same page or the three of you are on the same page about Dalton. That he's not the answer. He's not a plus factor. I think he's a reason that they are not winning playoff games. Um, yeah, played Flacco though today. At least just looking at sure. the numbers, is that is that fair to say? I, Flacco had, I think, going back to week one, this was his worst game since week one. I'll say something positive about the Bengals. Ooh, now that Golden Tate is starting to get some respect, Mohamed Sanu is my pet project <laughs> as the most underappreciated wide receiver in the NFL. Ooh, he is. Yeah, I mean, what a life. What about Greg he's Little? Been. I think he's appreciated <laughs> properly. <laughs> Anything else in this game, guys? Okay. I guess not. TD says no. Moving forward, the Miami Dolphins ran back two Blake Bortles interceptions for touchdowns, giving Joe Feldman's team more than enough scoring and a 27-13 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars could not build off their big win over the Browns last week. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Blake Bortles uh, watching this game. He had six. He has now six turnovers in the past two weeks. He leads the league with 12 interceptions. He has four pick sixes. Um, 
and don't forget, all this was done. He didn't really start a game until week four. So Bortles, while has plenty of, plenty of tools, he has not entered a great situation, and he's turning the ball over too much right now. I think it's like your 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 quarterbacks that go high in the draft invariably are going to incomplete, awful teams. At the same time, I think from what we've seen from Bortles, this guy is not afraid to fire the ball downfield, no. but he's not reading the field correctly. You know, he made some terrible throws in Cleveland last week. I didn't watch the game today, but I'm obviously that happened again. That's what you're going to get with this guy. I, I assume any team, yeah, right. Any team that plays a rookie quarterback, these games are going to happen in the game. Um, you know, the games he said where he's turning the ball over too much. Do you guys think uh, it was the right move to to roll with him this far to go from week four on? Was this the right move? Yes, I do. Yeah, and I, even with all of these pick sixes, I'm still convinced he's going to be a star. I agree. How did Denard Robinson look, Dan? He has. He's the backfield guy there now. He's the man. He had a second straight game over 100 yards. Uh, they were feeding the ball. He even looked pretty good running between tackles. He, he was showing me something that I didn't really expect to see. Toby Gerhardt, uh, who's named Toby, so it should have been the tip-off. He is not the answer there. They gave him a nice amount of money. They get, He's healthy today. He had four carries, so he's been marginalized. And look for OW to be their guy in the backfield going forward. How about the Dolphins? I mean, we mm. kind of sunk this team as irrelevant. Here they are, like the Bills, above 500 at midseason, almost 4-3. and three. They're, they're winning the games they're supposed to win the last few weeks. A little bit of credit for the Dolphins. They deserve credit for sure. I will say that um, Ryan Tannehill took a little bit of a step back today. Uh, you you want to see consistent play from him. So we'll see. I'm interested to see how he does next week if, if maybe he just shrugs this off and continues. Uh, he got better in the second half, but there was a point in the first half. I think midway through the second quarter, they had four total yards on offense. So they were not moving the ball very well at all. Um, some good news if you're a Dolphins fan. Also, Tannehill and Mike Wallace hooked up on a 50-yard pass, um, which has been an issue with them all season. Uh, so that would be something to get excited about. And then a weird stat. I'm, I, I don't put too much into this, but Tannehill had his third straight game with a 30-yard rush. No quarterback has done that since 2004, Michael Vick. So mm. as we talked about last week, uh, this guy is doing it with his legs. He's rushed for about 50 yards three straight weeks. So Bill Lazor is incorporating a sneaky element of his game. I think they're a bad team. Yeah, this defense, too. I mean, they, they can get to the quarterback. Four sacks, eight quarterback hits today. Uh, not playing the best offensive line in the AFC. We know that. But, you know, Dolphins and Bills, are they're not going to win that division because the Patriots are blessed eternally. But maybe <laughs> sneaky potential <laughs> wild card candidates here. Are yeah. we buying that? Well, I'm not, not. I'm not ready to count them out. That's for sure. I mean, they, the Bills, especially, the suddenly is, five and three. Yeah, the AFC is way deeper than last. Yes, year. it, it is, is going to be a lot and much tougher. more than the NFC. It is going to be a lot tougher to get into the playoffs, but I think they have a chance. These the, Bills and Dolphins. The the next team we're going to talk about is the team that I wanted to get. I really wanted to gauge you guys on what you think about them as playoff contenders. Transition. Jamal Charles rushed for a pair of touchdowns to lead the Kansas City Chiefs to a 34-7 win over the St. Louis Rams. Uh, this is a game the Chiefs had a 2-1 advantage in time of, time of possession. Alex Smith completed 85.7% of his passes. Wes, the Chiefs have won 4-5, of five, as we said, with the exception of Week 1. They, they brought it every week. They've been a competitive team. They're winning now. Do you buy the Chiefs as a legit AFC playoff contender? Well, I think you have to say by their record and the way they've played, you have to include them in that. I don't know, half dozen teams that are around that four and three, five and three that do have a shot 
at the wild card. They're not going to win that division. Though. Are they the best of those? Teams I don't. I don't think there? so. No. I. I think if you if you put the Ravens in that mix, I think the Ravens are the best of those. See, Dan, if you 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 point to Dalton as someone that's not appreciated, I I would quick more quickly point to Alex Smith. Twenty four of twenty eight. Yeah, I mean, was, that's uh, not easy to do. I realize he's not whipping the ball was, thirty yeah, yards downfield, but but yeah, he manages the. I think he's he might be the best game manager of any quarterback in history. If you label these game managers like that, like the Trent Dilfer's and Brad Johnsons of the world, their offensive line was such an issue in the preseason, and they obviously lost a ton of people. Is it better now? Is it is it playing more cohesively? Yeah, I think it's a lot better than we expected. We expected it to be a season long Achilles heel for them. And it hasn't been. And part of that is, I'm sure that's a big part of why they do the dink and dunk offense. Right. Smith and Reed deserve a lot of credit because they have Dwayne Bowe, who's a number two, getting paid like a number one. They don't have a number two. They don't really have a number three. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a nice tight end, very nice tight end. But they don't have anyone at wide receiver. I mean, look look at their leading receivers today. It's Bowe, then Kelsey, then Charles, then Sherman, then Fasano. Then Thomas, they be, who's not really a receiver, you're down to your sixth receiver is Frankie Hammond, who caught a pass. You have no wide receivers on the team, and yet you're dialing up enough offense to win games. Maybe they'll have Vincent Jackson in a day or two. Ooh. You know what they do have? The NFL sack leader. Justin, Justin Houston, Houston had three today. Mm. He's up to ten, bypassed. I mean, I don't think he's playing as well as Von Miller, but he's got more sacks than him. Hmm. Wes, uh, you know, Brett Favre, the man that – was a great football player. Now he's a, a maintenance worker, I understand, he's uh, a, somewhere in the southern portion of the United States. He wrangles wranglers. Wrangles wranglers. Uh, he said that Austin Davis could be the next Kurt Warner. You say the bloom is off the Austin Davis rose. It is. He had 80 yards before the final like garbage time drive today. No offense whatsoever in, in St. Louis. They got creative in that 49ers game and a little bit against the Seahawks, too. Did that just – They had a nice opening drive again today. Touchdown. Mm. And then did nothing the rest of the That's way. That's all you can ask from this offensive That's coordinator. That's all you're getting. The Buffalo Bills took advantage of six New York Jets turnovers. That's a real number. Waltzing to an easy 43-23 win over Rex Ryan's free-falling team at the Meadowlands on Sunday. The Jets have lost seven straight, and they again benched Geno Smith in favor of Michael Vick after Geno Smith, and get this, people, threw three interceptions in the first quarter. He had more interceptions than completions. Uh, luckily, because we are we are run by the boss, Greg Rosenthal, who knew this would be one of those great epic meltdown games for the Jets. We wanted <laughs> to get someone and bed them at the Meadowlands. So that's what we did. We have around the NFL's New York correspondent, or New Jersey correspondent, I should say, Connor Orr. How you doing, buddy? Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. What's going on? I'm uh, I'm feeling a little bit better now. I'm a few more a few hours removed from quite possibly the worst offensive football game I've, I've ever seen. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, let's let's start right off the top because uh, usually Kevin Patrick comes on here. His his move when he signs on when we call him, what's going on, fellas? Yours was similar. What's going on? So that that's an issue right off the bat. Before we get to the Jets, <laughs> I'm gonna have to come up with some sort of uh, I don't know New Jersey like provincial like hello or something like that like maybe a how you doing or something like how that. you doing <laughs> all right okay good don't force it though be natural now tell us about this one of the worst before i'm used to cover the jets people that don't know connor used to be the beat guy for the jets uh for a couple of years and you've seen a lot of ugly grim business in the rex ryan era tell tell us what set this apart 
Well, I mean, just the fact that, I mean, early on, uh, Geno seemed so hell-bent on just forcing the ball to Percy Harvin. Uh, and, and he, you know, he threw an interception on that one deep ball down the Jets' sideline. And then the drive after that, when, when Percy Harvin was out with the concussion, he threw the exact same route, only to <laughs> Jeff Cumberland. So I don't know how he thought one would work out a little bit better than the other. Um, and then, uh, you know, then you bring in Michael Vick, who fumbles four times uh, and uh, really throws two interceptions. One of them ended up getting called back. So, I mean, just I, I think it was the first time since the 1991 Arizona Cardinals that they had two quarterbacks in one game have three or more turnovers. Ow! So. Jets football! Go for it! <laughs> oh, give us a little report card on Percy Harvin's first game as a Jet. Um, you know, I, I actually thought – I do agree with Eric Decker. I think he's going to open up the offense. Uh, you know, he, he ended up getting 40 snaps. Uh, they used him primarily on the outside, um, a little bit in the slot, probably about five or six times in the slot. Um, and then I think he got about six or seven carries out of the backfield, which was interesting. Really, it's what I thought Chris Johnson was supposed to be doing there. Uh, but, you know, apparently – He's all but resigned to the fact that he's no longer a part of the offense, it sounds like. Um, yeah, I'm going to try, while you're talking, I'm going to try to find the quote that I heard from Chris Johnson after the game. That's right. You were in the locker room. Did you go to the Bills or the Jets? I guess you probably went to the winners or you went to talk Harvin. <laughs> no, I, I went to, uh, I wanted to see what was up with Gino uh, and, and Vic. I, I wanted to see them talk. I thought that was uh, definitely going to be the most interesting uh, part of the night. And it didn't disappoint. I mean, the dynamics there are just fascinating. I mean, Rex just, you know, he's been there for so long and has never had a dependable quarterback. And, like, you can just tell he's just so worn down. And both of those guys are talking. Neither of them really is campaigning for the starting job at this point. It's, uh, they they don't want it. Kind of, <laughs> you? And Rex didn't announce it after the game. But just to circle back, Chris Johnson was asked about the Jets quarterback uh, situation. This was after he had, I don't know, three carries, something like that. He said three carries, seven yards. Yep. He said, I don't even be in the game, so I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. So let's, let's talk about the Bills a little bit because uh, another you know, frisky middle-of-the-pack AFC team took advantage of an outrageous amount of turnovers by the Jets, but they did some things today. Yeah, I mean, you know, they went uh, – and I'm surprised, actually. You know, I, I did kind of uh, take a jab at Marone and his coaching staff for not going downfield more. I mean, if uh, mm. you know, the, they went deep to Sammy Watkins – twice and you know two times he took it uh 61 and 84 yards he should have had two wow. touchdowns um you know <laughs> he showboated then, uh, uh he showboated trying to uh show off during his first long reception and he was dragged down from behind uh kind of in a, the most embarrassing 84 yard catch ever <laughs> yeah by the converted uh wide receiver uh uh so right. i mean that's one thing the jets have going for them is uh <laughs> rex ryan knows how to it's like uh, and he's a very Belichickian of him to, to scrape the bottom of the roster and try to find a safety since uh, nobody else seems to be working out there. Forget Brady and Roethlisberger. Kyle Orton averaged 14 yards per attempt today, 17 throws, and he had four touchdowns. He did something that no quarterback has done since Bubby Brister in 1991. Ten or fewer completions and four touchdowns. Mm. Wow. Wow. I like that. Conor, this, is a game, this is a historic game that I witnessed. It is. See, <laughs> Greg knows how to push all the buttons. He's like that manager in the playoffs that every move he makes is working. Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> Ned <Conor> Yost, Orr. <laughs> baby. <laughs> wow, good job, Greg. All right, thank you, Connor. Thank you, guys. Have fun. Hey, while we're on the topic of uh, Kyle Orton, I want to read something, uh, a feature in the Buffalo 
news that Greg Rosenthal brought to my attention. The headline, and Mark, you should pay attention to this because you have assassinated this man's character in the past. Kyle Orton, <laughs> the Bills' <laughs> quiet warrior. And here's, here's a line from the piece. Uh, anyone who has interacted with Orton on a significant level can attest he is a man of passionate convictions away from the field. He's a known as an erudite, cultured, and politically inspired. He's an advocate for social changes, causes, and workers' rights. He's a deep thinker. Mark Sessler. Well, so, I mean, we've got Odell Beckham, that strategy is to miss a month of work and come back and become a star. Now you've got Kyle Orton that's all these great things and decides to walk away with millions of dollars from Jerry Jones. So what is he teaching us? You know, I want you to go and read this article, Tim Grant. I will read it, great but I mean, I'm not going to – what do you, you – come on. And just imagine, <laughs> just imagine instead of the words Kyle Orton on the page, it says Mark Sessler because I see some similarities Ooh. here. I Harry don't Knight? know. I don't know philosophical Kyle as a person, thinker? and I mentioned that all along. I don't like the way he dealt with the Dallas Cowboys. He let, hung you him out to dry. You spoke of him as a man of low moral fiber. <laughs> I did not like that particular lever pull. Maybe, <laughs> like a lot of deeper thinkers who have played football, they have some issues with the game, and they do wonder what it should mean for their lives. Mm. Maybe mean? that was what mm. Kyle Orton was doing. Well, okay, but he also was like, let me get paid for doing nothing and let me get paid a lot. So we're, suddenly we're painting him as this yeah, thespian or something that walks around <laughs> doing all these wonderful like, intellectual things. I well, like, he walked away with millions of dollars with doing nothing. I think we'd all like to do that. Yeah. I would. I like to think of you, Mark, as the guy that what does it all mean? You're like the biggest what does it all mean guy I know. So there's a connection here, I think. There's some I tissue. don't dislike him if he is the way they described him here. But I haven't met him, and I'm not going to just take this as gospel. Do we need a detente? <laughs> Number nine overall pick, Anthony Barr, forced the fumble and returned it for a touchdown to deliver the Vikings a 19-13 overtime victory over the Buccaneers in Tampa. Greg, this was a game in which the Vikings dominated for three quarters, blew a 10-point lead, then managed to bring it home. I, I imagine Mike Zimmer, and by the way, congrats, Mike Zimmer, for knocking out those kidney stones. Two procedures. To get rid of kidney stones. Really pleasant. the worst thing in the world to even think about. And now he gets a nice win after some tough losses. Big week. Tell us about the game, Greg. Well, the kids in Minnesota. And your kidney stone issues yourself. <laughs> the, the kids in Minnesota, you, you got something to be excited about. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had a very up-and-down game, but on his toughest throws, he made completions. I mean, the touchdown to Jennings was a beautiful play while he was getting hit. A lot of big third-down throws to Cordero Patterson, who led the team in receiving yards. 86 uh, yards today. Bridgewater sets up overtime with a game-tying drive. Barr, who makes a couple wow plays every week, wins it. There's your two first-round picks. Meanwhile, Sharif Floyd had a nice game. Everson Griffin's been on fire. So some of the building blocks for the Vikings are kind of coming around. We also got Cordero Patterson finally showing up, 86 yards off six catches. And I really Ooh. like Jaron Mc Jarek McKinnon in the backfield too, and he, he had a big day, what, 80-something yards? Yeah, he was solid. You know, the, the Bucks couldn't move the ball. I think they had 51 yards midway through the third quarter. So typical Mike Glennon game. The man, he didn't have any time. I mean, granted, he didn't play well. They had five straight three and outs. But the, the Minnesota defensive line has something going here with Floyd, Griffin, Linval Joseph's been a little bit of a disappointment, but Robeson. Griffin gets after it. I mean, they, they've had a good couple weeks the last two weeks. They should they should have won both the games. They are the Bucks the worst team in the NFL? I think they are right now. I would take the Raiders and the Jags over them on a neutral field. Because I think they've been lucky 
The one game they won was lucky. And even the games they're in, it feels like they're lucky. They were lucky to get this thing to overtime. Will Vincent Jackson be in Tampa Bay by Wednesday? I don't think so. He only had one catch today, by hey, the Well, way. it sounds like they're getting quarter. a lot of offers from people, too. And y- this team almost needs to be blown up from scratch. Why not Well, get it's weird that back? they want to trade him so badly. Because I, I get the sense that it's Tampa saying, for sale, guys. I, I don't know if they're getting a lot of good offers because he'd be traded if they were getting a lot of good hmm. offers. I think they want to get rid of him. Uh, impromptu game of what's more likely. What's more likely? Has a job January 1st. Lovey Smith or Mike Smith? I say Lovey Smith is more likely to have a job just because he's only been there a year. They probably want to give him more than one year. Lovey Smith. You're yeah, he's he, got to he, get more he'll keep his job. I don't know. I mean, we're just saying they're they're a team. They were it's, they weren't expected to be a rebuilding team or some team in the tank this year. They could go two and fourteen. It's a fair question because the Bucks were one team that we all thought, oh, you know, Lovey Smith has just he had a nice sabbatical year. He's walked into a playoff ready defense. Well, that's what we were saying back in April and May. And some bad yeah, losses. He's, too. he's yeah, been there before. Stuff. You can't keep firing coaches one year into the contract. I mean, Shiano got fired a couple of years into it. They'd be playing three different coaches $5 million a year if they went for another one. And, and he has a history with the Bucs. It's just I don't fair for Dan to bring up his name because it's been one of the most disappointing coaching That's jobs fair. of the year. Thanks, Mark. That's fair. Get props for the host. <laughs> that works. The Browns avoided becoming the first team in NFL history to drop back-to-back games to winless teams. This late in the season, they took care of business with a 23-13 win over the winless Oakland Raiders, Mark, uh, first thing, I just want to say uh, congratulations on the win. Your team bouncing back. Uh, I'm not so happy that you hedged your bets and picked against your own team. It seemed like a you compromised your honor a little bit there, but you both, you won and you lost today. I did not talk about compromise any honor because if you think because I grew up rooting for the Browns and I'm going to pick them 16 straight games – well, in you an should, office. I mean, at home against the potentially one of the worst teams in recent history, I, that's why I was a little disappointed. Look, they this honestly was not a great performance by Cleveland. The Raiders yeah. outgained the Browns by 80 yards. Well, Cleveland has some issues on defense. They also put the heat on Carr towards the end, kind of put this thing out of question at some point. But they've got issues, and I this is a, this is was the third best rushing team in football two weeks ago. Today, mm-hmm. 39 yards. At 1.6 yard per carry. Whoa! They cannot run the football anymore. And you've talked Alex Mack up as right. a major missing piece. Here. And I know that you think, Dan, that I'm overselling that. But I really think what Mack brought to that line was cohesiveness. And he would call out the adjustments, everything. Hoyer's not experienced to do that the same way that a veteran quarterback would. They have a guy that brought off the practice squad to take that job right now. And it shows no running back could get lanes, get open, Jenga break tackles. Piece, Alex Mack? I really think for the way this team was playing before that it is. Is it fatal? It's fatal if you wanted them to do more than go 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven tops. There won't be any return of the Mack? <laughs> Next year, maybe. Look, yeah. if, if Mack is that good, he should have been the MVP. <laughs> I mean, he Well, he's a two-time Pro Bowler. That's kind of what I've been saying. But it's he's like, a center, I, so he's going to be ignored no, by I'm everyone. No, I'm not saying it's ignored, it. but it's one player. If... Okay, I get it for a couple weeks. If that ends up being the thing that ruined their season, he, it's not the thing. I mean, there's other things around that could be going better. Maybe it's a coincidence he was gone. I'm just saying. I just don't know what else to point to because it happened right when he went tell, out. No, I know. The running game, it makes sense. Yeah. Jordan Cameron went out with a concussion. That's, that's bad news. Tell us about Brian Horry. He had obviously a terrible game last week. Uh, bounced back a little bit, at least in the second half. 
Uh, he he, he kind of he, he improved down the stretch of this game, but they really look disjointed on offense again because they're such a play action passing team mm. that when you're not when the defense doesn't believe in the run, you're exposing your quarterback. That would happen with any team that can't run the ball. You know, he he continues to make throws to receivers that are like five foot seven and five foot eight. They really <laughs> need to get Josh Gordon back. I know that they really want it. Petten said after the game that Jordan Cameron was the absolute central part of this game plan. And when it went out in the mm-hmm. first quarter, they struggled to pick it up from there. And they played a, they played a bad defense. And so I, any plays they made, I, the numbers for Hoyer, he had 111 rating. He wasn't 111 rating looking quarterback on the field today. He's a, he's a middling guy that is still learning the game. They have a winning record. When was the last time they had a winning record this late in the season? 2008 or whatever? I think maybe 2001 because hmm. they were 4-2 and two in 2001. All right, let's play a fun little game. I incorporate all you, all of you gentlemen in it. I'm going to go around the horn, quick fire. I'm going to go through the rest of the Raiders' schedule. Just give me win loss as I go through the schedule. I'll start with Mark, to Greg, and then back. Here we go. <laughs> Mark at Seahawks, loss. Home to Broncos, Wes, loss. <laughs> at Chargers, that's a loss. Home to Chiefs, loss. At Rams. Hmm. Give them the win. They got to win one. Yeah, I'll give them a win. Yay! Oh, no way. Home to Niners. That's a loss. At Chiefs. Win. (laughs) All right. We're ruining the game now. Home to Bills. Win. What a team this is. They're out of rounds. At Broncos (laughs) to close it out. Ah, Sorry, we ruined the game. So according to the Around the NFL team, we're 3-13. I'm going to take the Rams win back and just give them (laughs) 2-14. One is fine. I I would almost eat Wes's softball pants if they win three games, but I won't go that far. This team, the point I was making is there's not really a gimme here for a bad, bad Raiders team. They're a two-win team. If they're lucky. 16. It's not insane. Reg- you Reggie why McKenzie is so gone after the season. Derek Carr is, I think, too good, actually. That's the that's the reason why I don't pick them, is their offense and their quarterback isn't terrible. He'll get a win. He is extremely good under pressure, and especially when, you know, late, late in the first half, just drove them right down the field. He doesn't seem like a rookie in some ways. They'll get at least a He's win. He's been the two. best rookie so far. Yeah. Troy Aikman went 1-15 as a rookie. Fun fact. <laughs> Arian Foster. Total parallel. Yep. Arian Foster went over 100 yards rushing for the sixth time this season, leading the Texans to a 30-16 to road win over the Tanosa Titans in <laughs> Zach Mettenberg's <laughs> NFL debut. Uh, Zach Mettenberg completed 27 of 41 passes for 299 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I guess showed some promise uh, replacing Clipboard Jesus and Jake Locker. Uh, that didn't stop, though, J.J. Watt, who didn't take kindly. And I didn't like it either. Uh, Greg was defending this for some reason downstairs. I didn't like Mettenberger posting tons of selfies and instant ch- uh, Snapchats and having a grand old time on social media. And then J.J. Watt came out and buried him for it after the game, said this is the NFL, not high school. It's true. God, calm down, Zach Mettenberg. Just sounded like a get-off-my-lawn thing. I, just, uh, I wouldn't think it was a big deal that Mettenberger's having some fun Posting pictures. Who cares? He might be the only player Mettenberg on that team with any it. personality, though, Berger. so give him that. Uh, Kevin did. Did send... I call him Mettenberg the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin did send. Six round pick. We'll be out of the league in three years. <laughs> Kevin did send in his uh, summary. That, that game sucked. <laughs> Mettenberger was meh. Made some bigger throws than Clipboard Jesus, but was scattershot. Arian Foster, best player on the field. Arian Foster has had, like, an amazing, amazing and quietly amazing season. He's carrying them. Said. 
100 yards in six out of seven games, I think. And the mm-hmm. only game he didn't have 100 yards was coming back from a hamstring injury. He wasn't 100%. Yeah, Jadavian Clowney, Jadavian Clowney, actually. Pronunciation correction day. Uh, only a tackle. Didn't really do much. Also, it's Mettenberger. Right. Greg. That J.J. Uh, Watt, while we're just throwing out stats, two sacks, forced fumble, two tackles for a loss, and he knocked down another pass. Uh, so as great as Von Miller has been, J.J. Watt is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yes. Hey, good job by Bill O'Brien. They won two games last year. They won four this year. He'd have to vanish in like an alien vehicle to not win that award right now. We need to uh, turn the page on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, you could have said that three years ago, and I would have agreed with you. Yeah, who who are they turn into? Yeah, to Ryan Mallett. Yeah, they have to figure out what Ryan Mallett is. I mean, they're they're competitive every week. And Tom Brady. Isn't that basically all they could have asked for? Bill Belichick figured out what he was, or at least in his estimation, he was worth a, like a pile of pens. I mean, <laughs> he they traded him for nothing. They they wanted no part of it. Smart football analysts have said this guy is an NFL starter. Mike Mayock has said it. Let's see, because we know Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't going to give you more than six wins in a season. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football at the Superdome. The Saints get back on track. Mark Ingram rushed for a career-high 172 yards, leading the Saints to a 44-23 win over the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night, Uh, a game in which the Packers jumped ahead early, and it looked like, uh uh-oh, more trouble for the Saints, and the Packers are going to keep rolling, but it didn't work out that way. The Saints got back into it, then they took the lead, and then they just ran away with it in the second half. Chris Wesson, what did you see out there? This is what happens when you quit jerking around and get the ball in Mark Ingram's hands. Mm. You have, you do, as Dan mentioned, have a stable full of boys. But I feel like there's one guy at the front of it. I mean, no one was. Well, Steve Smith. We've. Oh, that's true. Well, but no one. I feel like this, I'm more invested in Ingram this, this year. This year, mm. I feel like no one can say that they were ahead of you on the Mark Ingram rejuvenation bandwagon. There are still people doubting him, and to me, it's just it's silly. All you have to do is turn on the film. The guy is running better than any back outside of DeMarco Murray and, and maybe Arian Foster. And in a day of great quarterback play, there were nine quarterbacks that threw over 300 yards. We talked about what Ben Roethlisberger did. We talked about what Tom Brady did. Drew Brees also delivered a gem, 27 of 32 for 311 yards, three touchdowns, averaged almost 10 yards per attempt, 138 passer rating. Drew Brees showed up and almost in a very important development for the Saints, gave them a little bit of their swag back, especially in their own building. We're tough to beat at home. Well, they hit vertical passes, which they hit one last week to still. So that was a nice start, but they tried three or four. And then today they hit one to Brandon Cooks off play action. They hit one to Kenny Stills deep. And that's the same offense, the big play offense. And they started to look like that today. And Jimmy Graham looked a little bit healthier and, and got a touchdown too. I think this is what we expected in, in August, that you got those two guys going deep. They use Cooks creatively. Jimmy Graham's a weapon in the red zone. And it was easily Breeze's best game of the year. Well, one of the reasons uh, I picked them this week was not just because I'm a homer and went to school there, but that I thought they played really well in New Orleans. That, I mean, in Detroit, that that looked like it was the turnaround of their season. And then they totally gagged the last four minutes. But for the most part, it was a really good game. And the defense did some similar things tonight where they didn't get too crazy with blitzes. They didn't play that well. They didn't force a single punt in the whole game, but they didn't give up big, big plays the whole game. And they got a few turnovers and a few breaks. 
and the timing is perfect for the Packers. The only, I guess, the good thing that came out of this game was they hit their bye now, which is good because Aaron Rodgers uh, did something to his hamstring in this game. He was limping pretty badly by the time he exited. They get a week now to regroup. Uh, are we to? The Packers are playing better than anyone going into this game. Now they hit a speed bump here. Um, are we to worry about the Packers now, or is this just one of those situations where a game got away in a tough environment? I'm not worried about them. I think they're a very good team. Their defense might not be quite as good, but they're better than they were last year. And, you know, Mark Ingram wasn't the only back with a career game tonight. Eddie Lacy, 182 yards mm. from scrimmage. His best game by far as a receiver, uh, bolstered by a 67-yard screen pass in which he wow. looked dynamite. Eight for 123 uh, as a receiver, Eddie Lacy. I mean, it seemed like a miracle for most of the game whenever the Saints could force a field goal. And then they get a tip in the red zone and pick that off. A rookie receiver, Devontae Adams, stops his route, and they get a tip for another interception. Otherwise, the Packers are going to put up 40 points in this game. They didn't have Morgan Burnett. They didn't have Sam Shield. I think they'll be fine. They are a game back of the Lions, though, so we have a little bit of a NFC North race. Their collapse in this game coincided with Rodgers' hamstring injury. They didn't score another point until garbage time, really, after that hamstring injury. And I, I thought they moved the ball well all night. Rodgers' fourth career 400-yard game, even though they pulled him early. How about no punts in this game? It's only happened three times in NFL history. Two of those times were in Packers games this season. Packers-Bears in week four, no punts, and then and then tonight. That is weird stuff, that Greg. Is, that's that's a crazy stat. And how many Wild teams have stuff. a third running back like Mark Ingram that they can just roll out there? Not that he's third, third, give me a break. I'm just saying. That guy's the number one back. Pierre Thomas gets hurt. Skyrie Robinson gets hurt. And it doesn't. It gets, that's the best thing that could really happen to this team. If I'm Steve Smith, I'm worried about my honeymoon suite and Wes's uh, <laughs> stable of boys because this man is coming on hard right now. Mr. Ivory could be taken over. Did I say Ivory? Yeah, you said Ivory. No, well, well, it's late. Look, I'm not, I'm not over. kidding you know about this. The about. Pierre Thomas, Kyrie Robinson injuries were the best thing to happen to this offense. Sean Payton needs to get out of his own way and get the ball to Mark Ingram. Maybe he will Thursday night. That's a good little uh, game we got here. NFC Bang. South title or lead on the line there. Only on NFL Network. <laughs> Ow! All right, that's it for Sunday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back with three more shows and. The upcoming week, including Wednesday, our next show. Thank you for listening. As always, this is Dan Hansis signing off for The Sizzler, The Mailman, The Boss, and TD with a hat on behind the glass. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.